Well, I can't believe you keep coming back when we're talking about money and you keep returning. And thank you because we've been um, quite full on, I would say, the last couple of weeks. So I just honour everybody here uh, and those who are shielding at home uh, just for tuning in and uh, grappling with what God is doing. And I do feel that one outcome from uh, this whole COVID experience that the whole planet is going through is that for the church, for those who have been won by Jesus, for those of us who are disciples of him, who've been called to live a different way, that God is calling us to a much higher level in all areas of our lives for the sake of the world that we're here to love and to serve. Uh, and so finances is just one one area of this. Um, so, uh, so thank you. Thanks for engaging and thanks for thinking this through. So what have we learned so far? So week one, we tried to suggest that money, unless we are really intentional, can sometimes take the place of Jesus in our lives. And we've tried to shift those mindsets, those worldly mindsets that have crept into the church. Ooh, hello. So that we can make sure that nothing is on the throne in our life other than Jesus. So that was week one. So hopefully we've kind of kicked all the worldliness out of us all. Then last week we looked at what does Jesus say about money. And what we presented is that he says, seek me first. Put me first in every single thing, every single area of your life. But also we presented to you that God is provider. And that we need not fear uh, money, possessions, anything. Because he will provide for us and that we can trust him. So that was week one, week two. Today, we're going to be thinking about personal finances. And we're going to be thinking about... Uh, how we're going to be set free to, in terms of our possessions and how we spend money. So it is. it might be a bit of a bumpy ride, just kind of buckle up and go with it. But hopefully at the end of the talk, you will gain freedom. Because we're going to be talking about uh, where do we spend and spending well. I'm excited. We, we were singing at the start, weren't we? Uh, a time of jubilee is coming. And I, I do feel excited for what we're about to share this morning. If we caught this, this could be jubilee in our church, a freedom time, a time of resetting, a time of joy, uh, both for the church and for the communities we serve. So who here wants to be biblical with their approach to finances? Yeah, we love God's word, don't we? We love to obey uh, the God's truth. Who here owns their own home? Okay, so let's just remind ourselves what the Bible says. Psalm 24, verse 1. Let's go there, shall we? The earth is the Lord's, and most things in it, apart from my home. <laughs> Who here owns their own home? Yeah, it all belongs to the Lord, doesn't it? The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. It's so good, because, you know, it just, it's the great leveller, isn't it? Everything in life comes to us as a gift from the Lord. It all comes from him. And we may have a part to play. We may go out to work. But praise God if we go out to work, that he's provided us with employment, 
that he's given us health to be able to turn up, that he's given us resilience to be able to work through a challenging period. And at the end of the week, we get to sink in our chair and say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of work. It's all his and is all from him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Those of you who grew up with some of the traditional liturgy, do you remember that part in the old communion prayer? All things come from you. And, and of my bits that I kind of want to give to you, do I, you know, and of your own do we give you. It's a direct quote from 1 Chronicles 29, 14. All things come from you, Lord. And so when we give of your own, entrusted to us for a short time, do we get to give to you? So just reach now. You can put your hand in your pocket. Reach for your wallets. Reach for your purses. If you haven't got a wallet with you, then what use is a soldier without his sword? Um, <laughs> so, or grab a phone or grab something that you own. Grab, a, grab a, a watch or something like that. Just hold it for a minute. And let's remind ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for what you entrust us with. We recognise that whatever we have is a gift entrusted to us to steward in your kindness. Thank you, Lord. We declare in line with your truth that everything we have is truly yours. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. So now we all know that everything is the Lord's and we give back to him of his own. Now we've got that, we know the biblical framework, we think the next logical conclusion with our personal finances is to sit down and ask the Lord some questions about our spending. So the first question we think we need to ask, if everything's yours, how much of my income do I keep? So out of the money that comes into my bank account each month, how much is mine to keep? Not there's um, 10% for you, God, and 90 for me. We've just changed that mindset. Everything is his. How much can I keep? And how much do I give away? So let's flip that on its head. And then I think the other thing that we need to start off with is what are my needs? What do I need to spend money on? So that every time we are thinking about spending money, we're actually going before the Lord and saying, should I get this? Should I not? What do you want me to spend my money on? And just having a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, just going, is it, is it that? And we're trying to practice this, aren't we? So uh, we went shopping about a month ago, and we went past this nice trainer shop, and it was reduced as they always are, aren't they? And, uh, you know, to entice you in. And we went, oh, well, you know, the soles on your trainers are a bit worn down. And, you know, probably we've had them about 18 months. We, should we get some more? Yeah, yeah. And then we went, well, should we just ask the Lord, do we need those right now or should we wait? And so we, we just prayed and stopped, didn't we? And we both went, yeah, let's just wait. We can, we can kind of use those for a bit longer. Let's pause and maybe next month. Again, don't hear it as poverty spirit. We're not trying to teach that. You know, if God says, go and buy that, then go and enjoy buying that and enjoy using whatever you bought. But just ask first, put him first and say, should I, should I buy that or should I not? 
Do you want a revelation? It's free. It's not going to cost you anything. You ready? Do you want a revelation? Do you know that your feet stop growing when you're about 15? It's amazing. You know, I realize I've got about five pairs of shoes and they're all fine. <laughs> so, um, so, <laughs> so then if I, if I just ask the Holy Spirit, maybe that 60 pounds or that 80 pounds could have reduced from 140. What a great deal. Um, just gives me some extra in my hand to invest in the kingdom. Everyone okay? <laughs> um, let's also be asking the Lord, when we are purchasing something, Lord Jesus, if I purchase this thing, will it enslave me or will I remain free in you? you now, how many in our culture are mortgaged up to their necks, overstretched, because our culture says, bigger, 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 better, better, better. And yet, are then chained to a pattern of life they cannot escape. And pressure, anxiety, etc., etc. So, wh- whether it's whatever, big stuff, houses, you know, car repayments, blah, blah, blah. If I spend on this, will it enslave me or will I remain free in you? Because Jesus hasn't bought us at the price of his blood that we could chain ourselves to the things of the world. Amen. (laughs) Okay, so the the fourth question is, Father, as I choose to spend your money, is my decision stewarding your creation well? Am I acting justly? Am I loving my neighbor? Did you know that you have power in every purchase you make? Every time you spend money, you are choosing to either invest in something that brings light, that brings hope, that brings freedom, that brings goodness to the earth, or we can also make decisions to choose to invest in not-so-light stuff that is enslaving people, that's not investing in ethical ways of living, that's not um, investing in ways that we are looking after God's earth. So I just want to challenge us all that as we sit before the Lord and talk about how we spend, that there are also ethical and stewardship conversations to have with God so that we are seeing everybody and everything in this earth as God's creation and um, that we're giving everybody um, just love and freedom and light and we're not enslaving in our decisions. So I think we just want to present those questions and they'll get emailed out tomorrow morning. And let's just, in our kingdom family communities, in our personal lives, just invite God to be enthroned in our monetary decision making on a personal level. And again, it isn't about, I really want to reiterate this, we are kicking shame and judgment out of the church. So if someone rolls in, you know, Susie rolls in with a nice pair of new trainers next week, you know, oh, Susie, you know, your feet stop growing when you're 15. What are you doing? Mm-mm, weren't you listening? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually about just all of us taking responsibility to be intentional about what we're spending before the Lord. And that means all of us also need to not judge nor come under shame and condemnation. Because that's the economy of the enemy of God. And so there we go.
So we're inhabiting a lifestyle of asking the Lord what to spend, how to spend it well, and what impact will it have. That's the first thing. I think if we do that, that will probably mean that we spend less money, which will mean that we then have more to invest in the kingdom of heaven. We'll talk about that in a few moments. The second thing we just wanted to recognize by putting God first is we are convinced we will end up spending less on earthly treasure and overflowing with generosity when we truly know our identity as sons and daughters of God. You know, how we all agree with that, don't we? That we don't want to be caught up in materialism and whatever, but how many of us sometimes feel a pressure to live a certain way, have a certain level of things in order to play our part? And we're convinced to know our identity Luke 15, verse 31. Do you remember the, the elder brothers outraged at the frivolous, rebellious, you know, lost son who's been away spanking the inheritance and now he's come back and we're having a party. And I've been slaving away all these years. And he refuses to come into the house and his father says, my son, and let's apply that to all of us, my daughter, you are always with me. Because of what Jesus has done, we've been brought into unbroken connection with the Father. You are always with me, and everything that I have is yours. The realm of heaven belongs to us because we have been brought into the inheritance that Jesus won on our behalf 2,000 years ago. So why on earth do we spend less if our identity is solid in the Lord? Well, it's because... If we find our identity in something that is not of God, so if we find our identity in possessions, if we find joy in spending, if we feel we need to feel good um, or we need to wear good stuff to feel good or if we need the biggest house to feel good, then we will end up spending way more, won't we? But actually, if our identity, our joy, our everything is in knowing that we are loved and that we have a firm foundation in Jesus, then we will spend less on possessions. And wouldn't it be amazing if we were all just so free of that, free of competitiveness, free of looking at each other, looking what houses they have or clothes they wear, just totally free that it, it didn't bother us any of that stuff. We'd be free. And I think I just want to say here, just a practical point of, if any of us are struggling with spending, we are bombarded, aren't we, through our door and through our emails or on the TV, buy this, look at this, there's a sale on here. Look at this person looking great in whatever they're wearing. And it's a constant barrage of buy, 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 buy. And so if you do struggle with that, just go through your inbox and unsubscribe from all those things that are trying to get your money. Or if it's the stuff through the door, go online and unsubscribe from the delivery. just, Just make good choices to enable you to be free, not to be a slave. A great question to ask to know whether we're free from this is think of the richest person you know 
and ask yourself, when I spend time in their presence, do I feel a bit rubbish about myself? Or, on the flip side, if think about the, the person in the worst situation that I know, do I feel a sense of, thank, thank God I'm not in their situation? And remember that all of us are known by Father, are bought at a great price. So, this is right, everyone? <laughs> so if God is at the centre of our financial decisions, if we're free from the rampage of consumerism and materialistic accumulation, then we believe this leads us to our third point, is it means we hold our possessions and the things that we have with an open hand. We are free then to share what we have, which again then saves us from spending so much on earthly treasures to invest in the kingdom way, which is generosity and sharing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Um, and let's just remind ourselves that everyone in this room is rich according to where we live on planet Earth. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Now, we live as uh, recipients in our culture of Western individualism and independence. And what that creates is the mindset that we've all grown up with, that we all should have our own stuff. So let me just apply this for a minute. Who here has got a chainsaw? You know, you country people, you know, we need to chop trees down, don't we? Who here's got a chainsaw? I was thinking about this. Uh, who here hasn't got a chainsaw but would like one? Yeah, a few. Yeah. George looked like a, like a chainsaw. I did a quick Google search, right, and a solid black and decker chainsaw is about 250 pounds. Okay? Now, how often do you use a chainsaw in a 12-month period? About three times, probably, don't you? Sometimes less than that. I mean, you know, so think about it like this. What if 10 people all bought a Black & Decker chainsaw? How much would that be? 10 times 250 years? Okay. What if one person bought that and nine other households shared that chainsaw? What would that leave you to invest in the eternal kingdom? 2,000? 250 pounds. That could pay somebody's deposit who can't afford to rent somewhere. That could give a massive leg up to somebody in this day and age, simply by sharing something that gets used about twice a year. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> but I know you're all asking, what happens if someone breaks my chainsaw? You know, doesn't that stop us? We were having a con <laughs> we were having a conversation with someone the other day about sharing, and you could see it's kind of. But I, I don't like sharing my stuff because it's mine and, you know, someone might damage us, damage it. 
But actually, it's a good growing opportunity, isn't it, for us all? Because number one, we all need to get really good at looking after stuff, particularly when it's other people's stuff. But also number two, we need to hold on to things lightly so that we weren't super offended if someone got a scratch on something. And we could just go, hey, it's just stuff. You know, I can let go of it. I can hold everything that I possess really lightly and I can share it. And just another practical thing. If you're rubbish at at that, just start small and then you'll learn to do it with ease. What if we truly stepped into a profound countercultural model of sharing possessions? What that would do is release us all from trying to accumulate our own versions of things and it would release a whole bunch of finance that we could, we could use for generosity, investing in what God is calling us to, serving the poor. It would, wouldn't it? You know, one of the flip sides of sharing possessions is I don't want to be bombarded with a whole bunch of requests. <laughs> you know, what if, you know, Roger's got a very nice car. Roger, can I borrow your car? I'm going to take the missus away for the weekend. And, you know, if we went in your car, it'd be awesome. You know, and what happens sometimes is it stops, what stops us from sharing is I have to put a boundary because I don't want to be subject to everybody's entitled requests. So if we are to practice generosity with possessions, then let's not rob one another of the dignity of generously giving by inadvertently demanding an expectation to use stuff. But if we all carried this and we're all living with, hey, how can, I, how can I bless you? Hey, this thing I've got in my hand, it's all from him anyway, so who could I bless today? Who could chop down a tree with my chainsaw this weekend? You know, or who wants to use my car to travel, you know, not to a region which is tier three, but, um, you know, or, or, or who wants to, who, who could I bless with the things that come from him that allow me just to release them freely as my worship to him and reflecting his heart in this flow of generosity. Uh, I was with the KFC, our Kingdom Family Community Leaders, on Tuesday night. And we were celebrating, over the last six months, as a community, five cars have been given, this is just in church, let alone the communities, uh, five cars have been provided by others in church for others in church who are in need of transport. Isn't that amazing? I love that, love that, love that. So, more Lord. The other implication of us sharing stuff is that there's less waste, actually. Because if we don't buy ten chainsaws, then there's not ten chainsaws at the end of the life going to the rubbish dump. Now, when we were in the, uh, the Arctic last year, I just want to show you this picture. Not that one. That's one way. You look out to see and it's that. You look behind and it's got that. Now, that is the dump for um, Pond Inlet, which is where we went to. And that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single year. And they can't recycle stuff. They reuse stuff, but they can't recycle stuff. Now, it got us thinking that we don't see that where we live because it's all hidden. And amazingly, we do recycle more. But yeah, the waste that we generate is hidden. But what 
what it would mean if we learned to share and bought less, then our waste would reduce. And I think, you know, this is God's earth. And I think I would love us all to think about the implications of buying and what sharing our belongings could do to this earth. I think what we've just preached to you is Matthew six nineteen. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, as we've referred to in previous weeks, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, which never rust, never, you know, corrode. Uh, and, and that isn't simply about sort of doing good things so you get a closer seat to Jesus when you die in the heavenly ranking system. It's actually about being invested in what is eternal. You know, when we bless someone and give generously, we are investing in eternity because we're modelling the Father's heart as we, as we share and as we bless people. And the great thing is, is we can all be generous. We often think, don't we, that I can't have someone around for a meal because I can't afford to give them lavish food. If you can afford to give people lavish food, do it and do it with joy and do it with love. But if you can only afford to give someone a tin of soup and a piece of bread, do it. Mm. Don't be held back by this need to impress or need to have more. Let's just start with where we're at and learn to be generous with the small things. Yeah, someone exited the nine and said, we should really break this thing. If I'm going around to someone's house, I need to take a gift. Now, by all means, let's take a gift if God stirs us to be generous, but let's not create a value system between ourselves where we have to take a gift and then I'm spending like £10 on something in M&S because da, 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 couldn't go to the co-op. It needs to be M&S because M&S would be a bit nicer. And Do you see what I mean? Let's just all do it, you know, and just, just throw off what is in our culture, which is about keeping up appearances. And let's just practice generosity. If you can shop at Harrods, then you bless people with Harrods stuff. Awesome. If you can shop at Aldi, you bless people with Aldi stuff. But what if we as a community weren't held back from practicing hospitality because I've got to spend two days cooking an incredible meal, whereas actually a pizza in the oven allows me to gather round table with a brother or a sister or someone in need or someone I want to bless and welcome them into the presence of Jesus and to enjoy sweet communion together. Um, yeah. So I think we're going to come into land. I'm just looking at him because we need to. Um, I'm just getting started, babe. But if, if you re-go over what we've said this morning, it's all about spending less, spending well, but spending less on things of the earth. And next week, you need to come back because we're going to talk about how, what can we spend on the eternal stuff, the stuff of the kingdom. So I, I said to the guys at the Nine, you know how Marcus Rashford's trying to campaign the government to provide free school meals for children during half-term and Christmas holidays? Well, we were chatting about this the other day, and we said, 
Well, what about if we as the church just go to our local schools and say, are there any vulnerable families? We can cook for them, or we can go and give them meals. And it's about, you know, that's the stuff that if we spend less on trainers or whatever else, then we have more to invest in people, in loving people, and in in showing them God's love and feeding the hungry. So that's the kind of vision we want to bring next week. And, and also, what does housing look like? How can we, as a community, you know, help those who can't afford housing? You know, is it right to rent? Is it right to buy? But let's start having these questions. You know, what are godly ways? What's kingdom ways of spending money? What's kingdom ways of looking after each other? Because our heart is that none of us and none in our community will be in lack. To come back next week to learn how to spend. I just want, do you want a one minute sermon on breaking free of a poverty spirit? You ready? Not poverty, you know, where there's poverty, you know, for us as a church, we've got a hardship fund going, we've got guys in the church who run a debt advice charity, etc., etc. The real issues of that. But a poverty mindset whereby we just feel like constrained and limited and never have enough. And if I give this to someone, I'll never get it back. Uh, I need to hold on, hold on. Do you want to know how to break that? Do you? Yeah, great. Oh, you can't talk because you've got a mask on. <laughs> Do you know what? You can stay in your bedroom and declare breaking this and breaking that, or you can start living in the opposite spirit and start giving and sowing generously. You know, and without going into a big, long thing, you know, um, just if you have come, and I know this for myself, if you have come from a long DNA line where you're just limitation and a sort of restricted poverty thinking has been on you generationally, the best way to break that is to start giving away. Just to start walking in the opposite spirit. I trust you. You are going to provide for all my needs. Who can I serve? Who can I be generous to? How can I give? And that will be the best way that you rewrite your generational earthly narrative with the narrative of heaven into your spiritual gene pool. Amen. Look at that. Right on time. Jim, smash it down the park. Bless the people. <laughs> Father, sorry, we're just excited. So, Father, I just pray that what is of you would embed and um, you would just enable us to become a prophetic, powerfully generous community that we may truly be light in this world and be positioned to serve with your heart those around us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, when I hear that stuff, I think, what if we really got hold of this and it transforms the whole kind of financial system of our community and then goes further? I mean, just, it's, it's so exciting. Anyway, so um, one of the things I'm, you know, just leaving the morning service, the nine o'clock, I was like, what have I got that I can just release and I don't know maybe we should set up a white pages or something and you can have you know look through it and see who's got what and what we can borrow I don't know but anyway um, uh, we're going to have a a time for ministry so James and Susie who are on the leadership team of the healing center 
um, are going to come and lead that in a moment. If you would like to respond either to what uh, James and I have shared this morning or something the Lord is stirring in you, um, or have you got um, any words of knowledge? Yeah, So, or the words of knowledge that come as well, then do come up. Um, there are, I'm not sure how many teams we'll have, three or four teams probably, and then just come up, queue, and then if it's your turn, onto the blue, blue cross that you'll see taped on the floor um, for, to receive ministry this morning. Um, I'm going to just close with a blessing, so those of us that need to get on can, but um, do come for ministry if you'd like to. Let's pray. Let's stand as we do this. Father, we want to thank you that you have called us to be the most generous people on earth. And you've done that because you are the most generous God, well, the only God, but you are the most generous uh, on the planet, beyond the planet. Your generosity just goes beyond everything we've ever known. And we are called to look like you and to reflect you. And so as we uh, grapple with this stuff as we seek to become uh, generous as you are. Uh, we ask for a revelation in how we approach uh, our money, how we approach the things that we have, our homes and our cars and all of this. Um, you know, and uh, you know, if we're in need, that we would transform the way that we handle that as well as if we have plenty that would transform the way that we release it. So, Heavenly Father, we invite you to do a deep work among us. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you as you release the Father's generosity all around you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hope you have a wonderful day. Do come forward for prayer and um, we'll see you all uh, on the door or uh, again soon. And um, did I mention the evening service? I didn't. Oh, I did. I forgot. I forgot I'd done that. Yeah. And so um, ticketing for that first November over to James and Susie. Just wait while they give their words of knowledge in case it releases. Um, so the two words of knowledge was... Uh, one, somebody just has this constant, it's like a tug, and it's like a, content, a condemning voice that keeps pulling them back. It's almost like a physical tug, and just the Lord wants to release freedom and, about, and talk to you about who you really are and who he says you are. And the other one is um, a problem with the neck. It's really sore on the left-hand side. Uh, so those are the two words of noise. So please come forward and receive. So yeah, do come forward to receive if you'd like to. Um, If you need to go, that's fine. And um, we'll see you again soon. God bless you.